One of the best ways to get your message across a huge audience is to write a trending topic. And that's what newsjacking is all about. When done well, it can give you a burst of traffic and also email subscribers in a short period of time. And this is what exactly Camille Trent, director of content and community at Big Signal, did. They newsjacked their way to doubling their email subscribers from 6,000 to 12,000 in just 45 days. Can you believe it? In this marketing pops episode, you learn first how Peer Signal doubled their email traffic using the newsjacking technique. Second, the bluff technique that Camille uses to write viral posts on LinkedIn. Third, how to create original thought leadership content that even AI finds hard to copy. And number four, one piece of advice that Camille used to accelerate her career. Now, before you get started, I created a free power of street sheet that you can download, fill in, and apply Camille's newsjacking technique to double their email subscribers. You can get that at marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description below. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing Power Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host. John. Specifically for for Pearsonal, you use that to double their email list from six thousand to twelve thousand in forty five days uh, using LinkedIn uh, and other things. Can you talk a little bit about what what was your approach to to growing that list? And we can just grow go through it uh, just very high level because I want to get into that that power up with the bluff technique in in a bit. Yeah, so you're right. So most of it was. Um, Adam and I posting on LinkedIn. That was our primary uh, distribution channel. Um, And the reason for that was really because uh, Adam already had built up a good following there. It's kind of like where he initially launched uh, Pure Signal and grew his his email list. So it's kind of, you know, we knew it worked. Uh, And then on top of that, I think when I joined, um, it kind of helped double that reach, right? Like we had around the same amount of followers. We're we're both at about 30K right now. So I think if you think about it in terms of just doubling down where you already have um, chips, where you already have strengths, um, like that's where I would recommend most people start. So um, so that was a lot of it. I did do a little bit of experimentation with with Twitter, uh, even a little bit of like TikTok, although I'd barely count that. Um, So still kind of playing around with some other channels, but uh, trying to make sure we stayed focused on one thing. And then I think it was helpful for me because Adam actually, originally we're talking, he was talking about when, I, when bringing me on, like let's branch into to, to Twitter, let's add you know, some other channels. We still want to do that. But I think after we saw like what there was still, like what we could still reap, I guess, from LinkedIn or how much more opportunity there was there, he was like, Actually, like let's just let's just focus on link, LinkedIn first, and don't worry about those other channels. So that really gave me the space to to focus there. So, uh, so number one is really just focus. <laughs> like that's the hardest thing I think for marketers is like so many shiny objects, like so many things that could work and do work for folks, right? Um, but it's like what's working the best for you? Like where have you already found success? And then it's like a momentum game a little bit from there, right? Um, and so two things um, or two ways, I guess, that I think about this is uh, through the lens of like content logistics. So content as a product, uh, if you will. So there's the production. There's like how the content is made. And I think of content as more of the, the long form piece. So for us, that's Peer Signal itself has these 
data sets, um, has these galleries, has basically these uh, this library of resource for B2B marketers. Um, so we have those. We have all of that we can pull from for our research. We, t- we essentially tap into our databases to um, think of research projects and to essentially like cut and filter data to get some interesting insights that we can share. And then those insights are distilled into our newsletter. And that's a, a, like a weekly newsletter right now. So those are kind of like what I think of as our, our long form pieces. And so a good sort of like rule of thumb is when I'm excited about that long form content, right? Like if, if you, especially That's since good. we are the target market to some degree where uh, our target market is uh, sales and marketing professionals, like, and we want to talk to the VP uh, C-suite suite level, not that it's not going to appeal to anyone else in that field, but we just figure if we talk to that highest level of, of strategy and we're really trying to understand go to market and how to run an effective uh, sales and marketing program, I've just found that everyone else within that industry uh, also likes that content versus if you optimize for, um, you know, like a a younger level and earlier level, you're not going to appeal to like the the sweet C-suite, right? So starting with that, like essentially what does good look like for your organization? And we have kind of this write-up for us of like, uh, that's kind of a, a work in progress, but how we define good content and like what we think it looks like. And then when, when we write that uh, news, newsletter, and often that starts, one thing that we've uh, run into is that kind of starts with like, what would the press release look like for this, right? Like what's the hook? What's the right. title for it? Um, and then if it's like, oh, that would appeal to, uh, you know, a VP of marketing that would appeal to a VP of sales, right? Like if that's the type of content that they'd want to consume, um, that's probably a good sign. So essentially, when we're excited about the research project we're working on or about like the upcoming newsletter, I've just found that it makes the distribution a lot easier versus if you're not excited about it, it's going to feel like promotion because you're going to feel like you have to promote something, right? Versus, um, versus sharing something. Like I think when it feels like, oh, I get to share this thing that I know is going to be useful for a lot of folks, um, like distribution just gets really easy versus when I'm like, oh, like I have to, I have to promote this thing because that's like my job and, then, and like uh, that's the next step in right. the process, right? Um, so I think about thinking content, like did we do that right? Do we have the right definition? Is it reaching the right people? Are you excited about it? And then the the packaging stage, I think of as copy and design. That's kind of how I define like packaging and distribution. Um, so for that, I think of unique angles, hooks, format, some news jacking. Like I would say though, that nice. those are some uh, uh, of the ingredients uh, that we kind of like used uh, in our distribution process. So to go through different, to go through each of those unique angles. So we kind of decided, okay, Adam has a particular voice. He's very like analytical. He very much like appeals to that, uh, you know, high level audience. Um, has been has been a founder multiple times. He has that credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing to that, like still having the slide decks and reports um, go through his profile first, and then I'll usually take like a different approach where it's uh, a little bit more experimental. So, so for instance, um, we know we started experimenting with the what I call like the product gifts. So for most people listening, they're going to have a, a SaaS product. Um, 
we have a SaaS product as well. But when I say uh, product gif, like I'm more talking about uh, like our data sets or our research. Like I'll just take a quick gif of um, essentially just like a sneak peek into this this good piece of content that we're going to be delivering. So I'll take things like that. I'll take things like charts, you know, like from our data set. Like just very data driven content, and it, it's a mixture of yeah screenshots and charts and things like that. I'll just experiment with different formats that way for for the imagery and for kind of like the supporting stuff. And so I can see and experiment with our links still uh, tanking on on LinkedIn nice. if we include those in the <laughs> in the post. Like I'll, I'll I'll keep checking that every once in a while because we have have found if you put the link in the post but you don't mm-hmm. have the the link preview. Um, that can still work if you have, you know, a really strong hook and a really strong image. So, um, and if it feels like native content. So I think shout out to, I think, Amanda Naughty Dot of, um, you know, zero click content kind of idea of the more native that it looks, even if it is a link, you can kind of like overcome the algorithm to some degree. So I experimented with that. And um, yeah, so essentially like I, I don't want to say burner account, but I would almost like kind of use my account more as the burner account, whereas Adams was more like the true and tested things of like we know this works. Um, right. And so what was fun for me, though, is going to the, the news jacking portion. Um, I'll get into like uh, actually, I think like later on, we'll, we'll, we'll get into like that specific example that, I, that I'm talking about. But there's a good example of of news jacking if you have an idea that something's coming mm. or you have an opportunity to um, capitalize on a trend because it um, because it is relevant to your product uh, or the type of research that you're able to produce, right? So again, going back to like, what are your strengths? Lean into your strengths. Um, and then hooks, like uh, I'll, I'll talk about hooks a little bit. I think um, a couple things that over the years of posting that I've realized is there's a couple headline frameworks that work pretty well on any social channel, but specifically mm-hmm. LinkedIn is um, what I call like the the thesis. Um, so you have a, a thesis for something, right? Um, when I think about like a, a a research paper, like my my husband's in science, right? And so you'd have to write an abstract, right? And so it's kind of like going into to the thesis or just like you're the overview of your project. project. And so most important thing first, right? And then you have your antithesis, right? And so this is kind of more of a, this is what everyone else thinks. And like, this is why they're wrong. You have kind of that like shock value, uh, mm. devil's advocate type of like post, mm. right? Um, the trick here is I think you actually have to believe it. You can't just like be boy who cries wolf and just like constantly like being contrarian all the time. Yeah. Like it's going to be very obvious. Um, so you actually have to have to believe it if you're going to do uh, antithesis type post. Um, objections. So I love this for um, especially salespeople, uh, but really to help drive revenue. Like I think these posts are are good. Of, there's probably some objections that come up frequently, like in the sales cycle uh, of why people push back on your specific category or your specific product, right? Like, especially if you're creating a new category of it hasn't been adopted in the market yet. And so you take some of the, you just take like a quote right, from a sales call of like uh, a good one that I used at, um, at Marketer Hire was um, if, if marketers are, if, if these marketers really are that good, then why would they be, be um, 
why would they be going through marketer hire, right? Like, why can't they market themselves? Like, that was kind of like a common objection of like, can't a good marketer market themselves, right? And there's like tons of uh, to, of reasons why, right? Um, good reasons why. And so just breaking that down of like breaking down uh, someone's objection uh, into credible arguments. So objection uh, as a headline, I really like dialogue. We love stories. So start like just dropping into the story by dropping into dialogue, like two people talking, right? It can be a conversation yeah. from work. It can be like, uh, you know, something in everyday life that has to do with, I did this a lot like with uh, sales tech, right? Of If I had a conversation with a salesperson, um, even if it was for, um, oh, what was it recently? It was uh, uh, our dishwasher, right? Like our dishwasher is broken, right? So there's you, you are experiencing sales all the time. You have sales conversations all the time. So it's just observing those like from kind of a third party perspective. Um, and thinking about what the lesson was there. So it's dialogue, it's conversation starters. So I think these are great for creating a community of like, how can you, um, how can you format a post to really be a conversation and not a lecture and like genuinely be asking, I'm looking for recommendations or I'm trying to get better at this thing. Like opening up the conversation to people with interesting, uh, intriguing questions, right? And then the last one is uh, is analogy. And I think these can be the best for uh, viral posts. Not that that should be your goal. Um, but I think uh, when you're able to articulate like a really good uh, or observe a really good analogy um, and make make those good comparisons, like that's the definition of creativity, really, is like making those connections and simplifying it to something that everyone understands. So those would be like my, um, my tips for... Um, for distribution is uh, kind of like starting with the hook, starting with some um, some good headlines. Before we continue, I want to thank those who made this video possible, 42 Agency. Now, when you are in scale-up mode and you have KPIs to hit, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups. And it's a lot to handle. Demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and even more. That's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWell, Teamworks, ProtSocial, and HubDoc build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing problems at a fraction of the cost of in-house, look no further. Go to 42agency.com to talk to a strategist to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine now. You can find that link in the description below. Let's jump back in. Those are some really valuable stuff that you just shared there. I feel like that could be a whole blog post, an episode on its own. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier is around when you are creating social posts, you want to make sure to um, start off with your thesis. Uh, and that kind of ties to a technique that you've talked about in other podcasts, shows, and webinars. There's something called bluff technique, uh, and it applies here, as well as the research that you that, um, that you're, all of you are doing uh, there at Peer Signal. Can you talk about what is, what is this bluff technique that you uh, have talked about quite a bit? Uh, and we can jump into how applying this into one of the social posts that you mentioned uh, around newsjacking. Yeah, yeah. So the bluff uh, is a military term and it means a uh, bottom line up front. Um, and someone who was in the military actually um, ascribed like how I thought about 
headlines and how I thought about uh, content, like to this technique. He's like, oh, that sounds just like what we do in the military of bluff. And I was like, that's brilliant. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So um, so if you come from more of a journalist, uh, journalism background, they talk about this is like the inverted triangle, right? So an upside down triangle, meaning the most important information should be first, right? And then you get to the least important information as you go. So you start with uh, the most important and then you get less and less important as you go. And so, and that's how like a lot of real news stories are framed. Like you have uh, the format is like who, what, when, where, why, how, and who cares. All of that pretty much in like a sentence right. or two. Like you're supposed to mm. try and like fit that in the first uh, sentence or two. So your your posts or your marketing content like shouldn't be much different. So if you think of, so I kind of simplify it to to translate this to LinkedIn um, and the whole format of like, you know, one sentence per line, which I don't think you always have to do. Um, but uh, I typically would have the first line be the point, right? Like first line is my point. Uh, and what, what you can expect like from this piece, essentially, like you should know immediately what I'm talking about. Um, and then the second line is, is like my angle essentially, right? Is uh, is kind of like the the who cares? Um, and oftentimes, I was looking back through, uh, you know, well performing posts. Oftentimes, that second line acts as an ellipsis, right? So like, if it kind of feels like it could use like a like uh, an ellipsis after it, um, you're probably kind of onto something because it should feel like you you want to read more, right? Right. Um, like uh, like that's wrong, and this is why, right? Like, uh, and here's the framework, right? Like it, it should be something that like leads, easily leads into something else. Like I'm about to, uh, you know, get to the point and tell you like the meat of the matter, right? Um, but you already know what I'm talking about and you're already able to kind of like qualify in or out um, early on. So I think, and this other way works too, like where you kind of like dangle the carrot. It's just not my, it's not my preference, right? Um, <laughs> uh, to kind of just say like, uh, keep reading, keep reading. Like every, every sentence is basically just like, you just like keep reading. Um, I just like always prefer when, uh, when you can kind of like qualify yourself in or out um, of content. Uh, and I think that's interesting because it goes back to discovery, right? A good discovery call. Uh, you shouldn't be afraid to qualify a prospect in or out, right? Like you should be wanting to only, um, only be talking to like people who who are serious, like people who, uh, you know, relate well with you. Um, you shouldn't be afraid of uh, like turning some people off uh, because that's just the the nature of the game, right? And so you're just knowing that you're not going to appeal to everyone, uh, and knowing that like while it's attractive to kind of attract everyone in this entire market, like realistically as a marketer, your market is this, right? You only, you only should be trying to, um, to attract like the small portion of the market. Um, and sometimes I think we get greedy and we're like, but I just want the likes, right? Like I just want, I, I just want to like go viral, right? Like it gives me endorphins. Um, but yeah, the more, the more that you can kind of let people qualify in and out of your content, the better. I think the second thing I'll add to this of why it's a good framework or why I like it is because ideally, like, I want you to get something out of the first, like, line or two, whether it's like, hey, that's a well, that's a well-written right. sentence, right? Or like, yeah. that's an interesting fact. Like, maybe it's a stat or something that you, that you'd lead with. 
Um, like ideally you get something from like those one or two lines and you can decide, I want to keep reading or I don't want to keep reading. And you should get more if you keep reading, right? Like there should be more value uh, in there, but you should be able to kind of like scan the the content in the same way that if I read a newsletter or not news, like if I read the, the news and I read the headline and the first paragraph, like I, I know what the news is at least, mm. right? Like I know what happened. So, um, that's kind of bluff in a nutshell. I love this technique for several weeks. I think it's, it's all about leading with value, which is what all product-led is really all about. And I see what you just talked about applied to some of your posts uh, really, really well. Uh, and we're going to be talking about this one post that's done like over 1,360 likes and 133 comments. And it does like showcase this bluff technique where you give up uh, who it applies to right away. And it reads here, uh, just the first few sentences, like Meta just laid off 13% of its uh, 87,000 workforce joining Stripe, Lyft, Twitter, and other tech giants. It's not good, but there might be a silver lining for B2B tech. Those still hiring seems to be compensating for those making cuts. Uh, this really is, uh, and then you have a link to uh, Peer Signals B2B tech uh, job resource. What was your thought process around this? Like, it seems like you, everything you talked about so far with the hook and leading, um, you know, qualifying, and you know, the audience definitely tech people. Um, can you talk about how you put how you put this together and how, what your thought process was and why you think it's done so well uh, on on LinkedIn? That's one of your most uh, liked posts uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah, no, um, that's a that's a nice example to to pull out because it kind of brings together what uh, a couple couple elements that we were talking about here. So um, so it does incorporate the bluff idea, right? Like it, it reads kind of as a as a news article, right? Of here's the news, like Meta just laid off this many people um, of its you know giant workforce. Here's some other people that laid uh, people off. Uh, it's not good, but there's a silver lining. And that's where, it, that's the ellipsis part, right? That's the like dot, dot, dot. Like I want to know what that silver lining is like as a B2B so marketer. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, under the fold, if you think about it as a fold, that's what you see in the feed. You don't see the rest of the post. Then hopefully you click and then, um, and then I, I tell you like right away the good news, right? Like you could just read those three lines and be, oh, okay, interesting. Like these other companies are, um, are hiring and it's kind of like breaking even interesting but hopefully you still want to read on from there as well so that's uh, how it goes back to the the bluff idea and journalism in general um and then i think the other part was the is the news jacking element so i mentioned uh that that was kind of a uh, a packaging or distribution technique that um that had worked well for us on a couple occasions and in this case it was right in the middle of uh these layoffs right so We'd seen like these big tech companies do these layoffs. Um, and then I there was in doing the research for the upcoming newsletter, which by the way was on our was on our hiring tracker. We were doing a, a monthly um, hiring tracker update for uh, B2B sales and marketing folks. Um, and so it's always kind of like keeping an ear to the ground of what's the latest news on this. Um, and we want to be able to cover that uh, in the newsletter itself. But, you know, even better if you can be there right when it's happening. And so um, so I knew that uh, Google was going to make cuts. They had already leaked, you mm. know, that they were going to make those cuts. It was just a matter of like how many. Uh, and so the newsletter was coming out on a Thursday. 
I kind of pre-wrote, and I think this is a good tip for folks, like pre-wrote some of the um, the posts that we were going to do. Um, so, you know, some some ideas for for Adam, some um, some promo posts for for me. And then I thought through, OK, if this does hit before the the day of the newsletters, I, I mm. want kind of a, a pre-written post for that where I can basically just plug in the total number that they end up cutting. And so that's what I did. I just uh, like pre-wrote, uh, pre-wrote the post. And then uh, when it did happen to, to come out, uh, I, I, I suppose like. I hate to say favorable, but favorable time for us was basically like the day before. Um, I essentially just like hit publish on that. Um, and yeah, there are a couple, <laughs> there are a couple like risks, I guess, uh, too. I, I really didn't think, you know, it would do that well. I thought it was like well written, but there are a couple things of one, like I wanted to be able to put the, the link itself to our hiring tracker to help folks like in the post itself versus like buried in the comments. But I knew like LinkedIn might bury the post because of that. So that was a bit of a risk. And then um, I also had like a screenshot where I like highlighted the the companies that were still growing that kind of um, emphasized this third line of essentially the, the silver lining of, hey, there's there are still companies growing. There are still startups and um, and software companies that are doing really well. Um, so I know it, it seems like the, the sky is falling right now, but uh but there is, you know, some good news that we wanted to lean into. So I had the screenshot in there as well. Um, so those ones, those things were a little bit, um, like I said, risky. But I think if you are, if if you're ultimately selling a product um, or you have, you do have some sort of like end goal, like we did want to, um, you know, expose more people to the hiring tracker and like let people know that there there is a way to kind of like pre-vet companies. You're not going to, it's not going to be 100%, right? Like some of the growth signals that we have in there, but we have some signals that kind of show which companies are doing well and might be better bets like for for your career. So we did want to make that a little bit more accessible, even if it kind of hurt our reach. But in this case, uh, it uh, didn't end up didn't end up hurting reach and, uh, and we got a pretty good response from it. Nice. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that you timed it specifically for this the release of the news so that you can make sure to like, capitalize on that. But one thing I also really, really liked about this is going back to providing value and delivering value. It's like, you're not just like, oh, you know, there are companies hiring. If you're looking, if you're one of the comp- uh, people, tech people who are affected by this layoffs, we have a resource that can help you find your your next opportunity. So it really is like value on value. And now you're leading them to something that can actually help them with that. I think that's the reason why it probably did. If I recall in, in uh, another show, you, you said this brought one of the most, uh, one of the high records uh, of new subscribers to your newsletter when you release this. this is like one of those moments where like, oh, boom, like daily record for new subscribers for Peer Signal. That's what happened here. Yeah, no, that so that's true. So there is so the first wave, um, it was like the first week or two, like at, at Peer Signal. So it just gave us a uh again that momentum, like the the rush to kind of like uh uh perform or create content at kind of like high pace, like early on to sort of keep that momentum going. But uh I had the opportunity to basically like release these um this homepage gallery. And so again, like was really excited about the content, had really good long form um, not even content, it like really was like a, a gallery, a resource for folks. And so um, so that was like, it felt really easy to promote because 
I just really believed it was good resource. Um, so that was when we saw the most subscribers that we had to date. And then this, I think, came a week or two after that. And then and then we actually like broke that first record and we're like, okay, this is actually like the most the most subscribers that that we've gotten per day. And um, and then, you know, when we were evaluating this a little bit, it was like part of it was broad appeal. Right. Like uh, right. going back to the, you know, we mainly talk to the level of uh, the C-suite VPs, um, but this really like is is hyper relevant for folks right it's affecting a lot of folks like it's kind of like our chance to to give back and so it's and then the news jacking element like you're not always going to have the opportunity to be at the right time at the right place um or the right sorry the right place the right time um and so when you do um just it's just about being ready right like it's just about like being um you know like we if you can prepare something in advance like uh if you can like uh you know get everything lined up in a way where you just like have the the best chance to kind of hit it out of the park. And that was kind of our thought processes. We talked about this the other day of uh, it's not about like, you know, hitting a home run every week or every month even. Um, but most of the, a lot of the projects that you do should have the upside of being able to do that, right? Like should, um, That's good. you know, give you the opportunity uh, you know, to at least be, we talked about this way, actually like doubles or triples, right? Like, um, and, uh, and not just like settling for, for singles every week, but really kind of like having those stretch goals of like, this should at least be like a double or triple. And it should have the upside of like being able to kind of make it out of the park. So that was kind of the thought process here. That's awesome. Thank you for, for sharing this. I want to shift gears and talk about your career. Uh, you've been, in marketing for, or, you know, doing content brand and copywriting for, for several years now, you worked at several companies. Uh, and I didn't even notice you worked at a bank, Texas Citizen Bank, Market Hire, Market Hire Dooley, and now you're at Pure Signal. I'm curious, what's, uh, well, what's a power up that's helped you with your career? Something that's like kind of give you, get, given you a leg up when you're, you're doing that. What's, what's a power up, career power up for you, so to speak, as a marketer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd say in general, like go wide, like I think just focusing on absorbing everything that you can early on, like um, optimizing for learning, I suppose. Um, and for me, like I remember there was a moment in college where I had a really good, um, I was actually a research professor. I was essentially deciding if I wanted to go. Uh, I was in the advertising program. I was deciding if I wanted to go the creative, like copywriting route. Um or if I wanted to go out, uh, what was called like account planning at the time, which is essentially like uh, the research route, right? Um, and anyways, what I, this, this professor like uh, stood out because he essentially like told us that we didn't know how to learn, right? Or that most people like, most people haven't learned how to learn yet. And, uh, and that was like fascinating to me because I was like, that's true. Like I, I know how to memorize things, <laughs> right? Like I know how to do school um, pretty well. Um, but I I am not always concerned about like learning, right? Or else like I would remember more things from my anthropology class, right? Or like my <laughs> physical science class, you know? Um, like I wasn't always interested in uh in absorbing the information and like you know, learning how to be a, a student, essentially like uh, learning how to learn. So I, that was like a big light bulb moment for me of uh, just being a little bit more intentional about like um, 
how to learn and when they're learning opportunities and essentially just seeing more more uh, things as learning opportunities, even if they seem very like menial. You know, if you're like, I'm in this like low level job, you know, I would start out with like an agency and you're kind of on yeah, low level project projects. So it's easy to see like I can't learn here. Right. Like I can't grow here. Um, and so it's uh, for, for me, I think, though, it was like trying to challenge myself with every like seemingly uninteresting, uh, unlike challenging mm-hmm. type of like pro- uh, project. Like there's probably a way that you can like expand it if you want to actually learn. So I think that was like the yeah. the big advantage. Um, and I think number two is um, I wanted to say build in public, but I, I actually want to change it to like experiment in public because I think early nice. on you don't, it's like you really don't have yeah. a ton of knowledge or you don't, you don't know what you know, right? Like you don't, you don't know what knowledge is kind of like unique to you at that point. And you're still kind of uh, gaining that real world um, uh, experience that, you know, people are willing to pay for essentially, right? Like put sort of client knowledge uh, or in-house knowledge that you get. Um, but what you, what you can do is you can always like experiment in public, right? Like I'm setting this goal or I have this thesis, then I'm going to do this thing. This is how I'm going to uh, conduct the experiment, right? And then I'll I'll give you updates and, uh, you know, I'll let you know, like, how things turn out. Like, people are always fascinated by that. It's just like a, ends up being like a, a social experiment, whether the actual experiment itself is is a social experiment. You have, like, you're building this kind of, like, community or this sort of, like, support system to both help you as you're doing that experiment, right? Help you in your day job, uh, essentially. But then, uh, yeah, learn how to, yeah, create uh, and build things like in public, right? So there's a lot of benefits, I think, to to doing that. And part of it is just like getting out of your shell a little bit. And like, the, right. you know, the first, it's hard to just like create the first few pieces of content. Again, when you don't necessarily know how to write or like, uh, you know, how to communicate with people online. I think it sounds crazy, but um, but those two things I think are are what stand out. Oh, sorry, one more thing. Um, the last thing would just be like, uh, I've thought this like multiple times in my career, especially like jumping into uh, the startup world and uh, the software world, um, is that like my last few jobs that I've taken, I've always felt like I was like jumping into the deep end. Like I, I had that like right. exact thought of like, this is like, this is in the deep end, like I'm on a diving board, you know what I mean? Like this is going to be uncomfortable, um, but I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and so, yeah, the last few, um, the last few moves moves that I made have already always kind of feel like this. I think you want to be in a place where you bet on yourself, where you like think that you have enough of that like knowledge to do it, um, but it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable because I think that's where the growth happens and if you meet every criteria on a job description, like it's probably um, it's probably too easy for you, right? Like that's probably like a sign that, um, you know, that you you should uh, like move on to that kind of like next rung or at least, uh, uh, you know, differentiate uh, what you do so that you can continue to learn. I love that the last two power-ups you mentioned ties back to your first one. Like, how do you learn? Like, we don't know how to learn, but you learn through experimentation and you're learning through, like, pushing yourself to what's capable, like pushing the boundaries, essentially. And I feel like that applies to a lot of things. Is that, is that, 
is that connection valid? Like that the first two kind of helps you essentially learn faster uh, is what they help you with. Yeah, no, I, I really like that because I think, uh, well, it's funny that that happened in college, right? Like uh, <laughs> in like a learning environment of, uh, right. you know, I had this like foundational thing, but I wouldn't say that I like, you know, started implementing that or, or uh, you know, right away, right? Or um, where I was, you know, uh, acting like a student like every day, like that was not the case. I had plenty of lazy days, but um, but yeah, but I think that uh, that is true. It's like, you know, how, yeah, how to how to build in public, how to experiment in public, like how to learn in public, right? Is essentially that. And then, yeah, jumping off into the deep end to force yourself to, to learn. So good. Uh, one final question before we wrap up, and it's kind of related in terms of like an advice or one or two pieces of advice you'd give your younger self. If you can travel back in time, what would you tell the younger Camille who's just like starting out in brand or content yeah, and copywriting? What would be your advice to that to that person uh, starting out in marketing? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So, um, so some of the things that I had mentioned uh, are relevant here. Of uh, I think we, I did a decent job of, uh, of absorbing right and just being like really curious about everything uh, and trying to make menial tasks into a challenge. Um, so that part worked worked well. I think I was also kind of like advertising for the Stone Age and I didn't really like realize that there were, you know, digital, uh, you know, digital agencies out there that I could be learning, you know, digital ads or, um, or, or marketing like at a, at a broader level. So it wasn't, it, it took a while like for me to kind of like, uh, and this isn't the right move for everyone, but for me to kind of like uh, broaden from sort of like traditional advertising um and like agency work which gave me i think that breadth and like a nice like foundation uh but then to kind of uh start like marketing uh, and if the first two jobs were at like smaller businesses but i think i got some good like foundations there but i think it's yeah realizing like do you want to be a generalist do you want to be a specialist like trying to listen to um what other people tell you like essentially when other people tell you what your strengths and weaknesses are, like uh, really taking that to car and seeing like how you can build your career around that, uh, around like the things that give you energy. So I uh, recommend, you know, paying attention to those things early on. Um, and then I think the other thing was, it just goes back to like uh, betting on yourself. So mm. I, uh, for instance, at this, at this first agency, they didn't allow freelancing. And I was very like, like buy the book, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to like work really hard, like for this company. And I did, but I, and I didn't realize, um, because I think I was, I was like so young, like how much leverage that I had, even as like a, a more junior employee, you know, I was, I was getting raises and was, was valued and I had good friends there. Um, but it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, this whole, like, uh, no freelancing thing. Like, first off, everyone else is doing it. <laughs> like, uh, so there's that. <laughs> And uh, so I started realizing that. And then I was also like, and like, it's BS. Like, why, why should we, mm. why should we do that? And so, um, so I think like, uh, yeah, starting to like bet on myself and again, like experiment um, on my own, right? Like experiment um, in public to some degree and like start, uh, I started kind of like a, a little bit of a freelance uh, side hustle, like at that time. So, um, you know, I, I guess in retrospect, like I wish I had done that early. I had a chance to, uh, and I did do it for like one um, you know, bigger brand. And then I ended up saying like, oh, I actually can't do this anymore because I'm not allowed, <laughs> right? Like this was like right out of college. Uh, 
And I was like, well, that was stupid because I like could have uh, could have like really built like a good uh, portfolio from that. But mm. so that's that. That's what I would uh, tell my younger self is that, you know, bet that's on yourself, it. like take risks like earlier on. Um, and I think moving since that stage, those like early stages of like agency work, like, um, you know, smaller, uh, smaller business uh, marketing type work. And then that transition uh, into like the startup and SaaS world, my advice uh change changes a little bit to try and like understand yourself better like this goes back to other things I said but uh you know I um met with uh kind of well not, not really a life coach so much but like a like a uh, MBTI like a type coach yeah. right um so I like really wanted to like understand like my personality like my MBTI what uh, what were our strengths and weaknesses um and uh, so I think like I'd recommend doing that earlier on because it helped me understand like what I was good at, what I was not good at. But it also helped me like understand how other people might see things differently than I see them. Right. And be able to have better, uh, more empathy for that. Um, so I wish I'd done that earlier. Uh, and then the last things are like, again, like as I started to to grow and like as I started to gain more confidence in some of these things, like the advice I would give is just to like stay humble and like stay level right like I think like um sometimes when like things don't go um things don't go your way or they don't uh, go how you expected like uh it's easy to have kind of like a chip on your shoulder about that um and sometimes that can that can fuel you like I think uh you know Michael Michael Jordan any any and every documentary about him will kind of like will kind of show you that uh there's like some elements of that that you need to kind of like um yeah, get yourself like through like hard things. Uh, but I think um, it, realizing that it's not always about talent, it's not always about, you know, the opportunities they're given or your work ethic. Like sometimes it's also just like not a good fit. And so uh, uh, mm. so I think one thing that I, I started realizing was like, oh, like I shouldn't always like, uh, I shouldn't always take a challenge because it's a challenge. Uh, and uh, as like a, a square peg, like try and like fit myself into like a, a round hole. Like sometimes that most of the time, the best option is to like as a square peg, like look for a square hole. <laughs> like uh, and if that is, <laughs> this is going like way off. Uh, but uh, but if that doesn't exist, like sometimes like uh, you're the one who's supposed to like create the square hole right like whether right. that's becoming that's an entrepreneur or like creating like a new role for yourself or like you know finding like that environment where you really thrive and can sort of like um yeah uh, live up to your strengths essentially and like that you know best complement the business so um so that's one the early things that i would like tell myself is like uh there's gonna be like a people pleaser side of you or a um uh, you know, just like a, a challenge, like mindset where you're like, I'm just going to do this because it's hard, like because it's a challenge. And like, that's not always like the healthiest thing for, for your mental state. Like sometimes uh, it's actually like, a no, like you should actually find people that are already like aligned to the way that you think. Um, and you'll, you know, you'll do your best work. Hope you learned as much as I did with my conversation with Camille. I know I did. Now, news checking can really backfire on you if, if you don't do it well. But if what, when you do well, like what, Pierce Signal and Camille did, it can give you some amazing and really meteoric results like what we saw here. Now you can follow Camille on LinkedIn and Twitter. Also, you can check out Pierce Signal at piercesignal.org. 
You can find all of those links in the show notes and description. And thank you to Camille for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way in others finding out about marketing pops. Thanks to Mary Solden for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Taigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing Power Ups. Until the next episode. 